you should be able to charge extra for that as far as i'm concerned it's like a home extra service yeah, yeah exactly come at me <laughs> It's Gear Buds episodes. Gear Buds episodes. Gear Buds episode one ninety nine. What a freaking number that is! We're getting up there. Gear Buds no. podcast episode one hundred and ninety nine. Seems so fine. My name is Henry, and his name is Dave. Hello. And this is a show that we do, and we've done it one hundred and ninety nine times. Actually, more, but who's counting? We are. This is a podcast. Let's get into it. The Symphony of Corrections and your weekly reminder. The cables are tone tubes. And a weekly thank you for listening to this dang old, dang old podcast that we put out there. This this gibberish pile of words about guitars and our feelings. Thank you. And uh, we love you for it. We love doing it. We love each other. We love doing each other. <laughs> and... Uh, Follow us on the stuff, subscribe on the stuff, email us at the stuff, gearbudspodcast at gmail.com, or if you really want to get in touch, hit us up at reverb.com slash shop slash gearbuds and put a bid on something that I'm selling on there. Yeah. We'll write you back. How about that? Uh, it, I, it, it's it's back to the leanest it's been. Things have been selling Things so been moving these days. A lot of Craigslist success right now. Don't know what's going on there, but it, uh, pedals are popping off on Craigslist for me right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and a synth actually. Now that nice, I think about man. it, and not even not even balls. They're just being like, okay, I'll buy it, and I'm that's, saying, okay, that's so much easier than having to ship and deal with paying reverb mm-hmm. their cut and all that stuff, all that jazz. Lots of gear coming in too, my friend. Which we're gonna. Let me ask you a question about selling gear locally real quick. I'm sure we've talked about it, but remind me, do you accept Venmo and PayPal? I prefer it. Yeah, I would too. And and yeah, so that, and that is something that that's how I, that's actually my technique for locking in the price of a deal is I say, okay, cool. Well, I'll take the 165 via, I'd prefer to get the 165 via Zelle or Venmo, but, um, or PayPal. But uh, if you, have cash that's totally fine with me too sure and then it's at that point they'll be like oh i was just gonna give you 40 dollars yeah and, not yeah. even one of one for you so yeah uh, that yeah that's my little underhand technique but yeah why why do you ask uh do you ever worry that someone can like try to like take the money back or cancel the payment or anything yeah I, totally i it, with, with with paypal i think that's with zell no because right. that's direct already in my bank account I and think I, venmo's like that too and right? it, they're all super protected now so yeah. yeah that's although i will say the last one that i did the guy actually did paypal me and he didn't do the friends and family he did ah. the stupid thing so i and like standing next to him i made like four less dollars yeah on a but deal. still it ah. was so annoying and it's and he doesn't keep that money either so it's really a lose-lose it was a lose-lose i was just are you i didn't say it but i saw it like i as i was walking away i realized i was like dude we're friends and family you were face to face what's the point of not like what do you what could you possibly gain from doing anyways no some people just don't know and i think it defaults you to do the goods and services he struggled with it i thought he would have had it we we locked in the paypal thing before i thought he would have had the app downloaded he he did click the wrong button so you know and and it wasn't like we're i mean i'm a boomer right we're we're, we're, but he he was around our age he should have known how to use this shit i don't know man 
It happens, man. At least it was a small ticket item and it wasn't anything too crazy because they That's can true. hammer you, dude. I've gotten paid from clients where they did that. Yep. They did goods and services. And I don't know if they're doing it for like tax purposes. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter to them. They're paying me the same amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither of us see that money. And if it's a big, you know, I could lose like a hundred bucks or something. Oh, definitely. You know? Dude, speaking of, actually, I've got a, in, in my random dumping of stu- ideas that I wanted to talk about today, I heard someone mention this in a, uh, I don't remember what it was. I was watching some sort of gear video and they talked about this and I want to give you this idea and t- you to tell me what you think about this. Mm. Say you're getting yourself some sort of, I, I mean, I guess really any guitar, but probably this would make the most sense, I think, for a vintage instrument. Okay. Say you've set up a deal either on Craigslist or even, you know, through like the reverb local pickup option. And you want to verify that this is actually the kind of guitar that they say it is, right? Because it's probably a high ticket item. You want to, and maybe you're not an expert yourself. Okay. So the sort of idea put forth in this video was to contact your local guitar shop, say yes. like someone that you, uh, you find to be an expert in this field or that you trust. And ask them, is it okay if we come do this deal at your shop for whatever your bench fee is or however you want to do this? Would you inspect this instrument and verify that the seller has what what they say they have? Do you think that's a good idea? I mean, I have mixed feelings about this. One being that I guess if it's local... But let's just even assume it's Chicago and someone might not have a car and they have to get to the place. Mm-hmm. It's more of a hassle for the seller. There's a better chance they might tell you, like, I'm not down with that. But it also depends on how much the thing costs. If it's like a $6,000 guitar or something. Yeah. I Look, my rule number one is always do your freaking research. Exactly. Always ask the seller for photos if you can. Well, dude, here's the thing. Like, we've been, you and I have been doing our research, quote, yeah. unquote, for... 100,000 years at this point. Right. And there are still things that we would miss or not know. Oh, because absolutely. Like, especially old Gibsons. They were even old fenders. They were just like yeah. using whatever parts were there. Shit was different. So sometimes there things are going to be going to be weird. And you, and oftentimes it would be a good idea to have someone who's seen it all. Yeah. No, I think it's a great idea. I think I think CME should bundle this. They like should a, offer this as a service. As a service, yeah. Like it's like this is how much it is. This yeah. is how much it costs. And plus at that point you're also avoiding any weird you know what? Like when I thought I was basically trying to, so those dudes were trying to rob me. The one right. deal, like no it's one's going to try to do that right. in a guitar shop. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think that is actually the story I've heard from a lot of people, um, you know, on the forums and stuff like that, saying meet at a guitar shop. You know, hopefully call them first. Don't be an ass and like just show up with some guy. Don't just show and up. do a deal in, in their no, showroom floor. No, that would be rude. Um, and maybe I don't even know like the legalities of that. They yeah. could kick you the fuck out. But I would say, yeah, I mean, you could call ahead. I, it it has to be the like a big money item for me to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking like six to ten thousand dollars, you know, right? Like big big money. Yeah, but I'm st- how about just the the average gearbud, not the super elite gearbud host yeah. that you. Well, then you know, then I just I, I have to go back and and say what I always say is like you've you've got to at least do the research and like you said, even if it's even if there's a few parts that you might not know, let's say it's. Let's say it's like the trem bar or like the freaking maybe a pot might be changed yep, out. Right. You've got to be willing to work that into your price being like, all right, am I still getting a good deal for this? Even if these parts have to be replaced mm-hmm. to be original. The tricky part is where when it comes down to finishes. Oh, yeah. Right. Dude. Because I mean, there are some beautiful refins out there. Mm-hmm. But they no matter what <clears throat> often will even 
get up to ha- devalue the instrument at, by half. It's at, the general rule of thumb is it's half the yeah. value. So, but if you're right, and sometimes like I've <laughs> I've seen I've seen a number of refins where I would have believed, dude. I've seen Murphy Lab brand new guitars where yeah. I would believe that they were oh, old me too. finishes. Yeah, so yeah. So you got to blacklight it. You have to be. You just have to. Yeah, yeah. there's a certain amount of repetition required to develop develop that level of expertise. And I only personally know a handful of people that I yeah. think. Have that. Then I would add to my response by saying, if you're buying an original Finnish instrument, it's really important to try to see that thing in person. Yeah, and blacklight it, do whatever you got to do, mm-hmm. or bring it to the expert, you know, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's tough for a lot of people, man. Like some people are in small towns and they don't have access. That's to, true. You know, we have access to CME, and you know, there's Groons in Nashville and Tons stuff. Of spots, right? But um, you know, even I don't trust them. But I mean, I've heard, you know, I, even Guitar Center might do something like that for you. I I just feel like yeah, someone someone should jump on this as an idea and advertise yeah. it, and or even partner with Reverb or something like that, and and say like, hey, yeah, come do, come do your deals here, and then like rely on our team of experts. And maybe by the way, while you're here, we'll upsell you on a full setup for this instrument and some strings, you know. So it's yeah. like it could be a potential. Even yeah, maybe freaking try. I knew amp out. Grill sitch. Well, Ooh. I would say this too. Um, I do know for a fact, and I don't know what he charges, but Groon will authenticate things over via email. Yeah, right. With photos, I'm, I'm, I bet they have to be like there has to be like thirty photos though. It can't just be like here's the front of the guitar. Yeah. Oh, at least you know you've got to have you know he probably requires a checklist of photos to see pots, neck date, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Fender, but like, yeah, but he'll do that. I don't know if it's a couple hundred bucks. I don't know what it costs, but. I would say it's worth it. Man. I, I feel like I've looked before, and I, and I, and I want to say it was around a couple hundred bucks, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, so, dude, what a what a what a scattershot beefcake of an episode we've got already. Going <laughs> Which is here. the wheels are just We're, spinning. We haven't dude. even gotten to like the no. freaking rare find of the week or rare foot of the week or anything yet. No. Uh, but the yeah, of the week, right? Episode one ninety nine. I just want to say that I feel like I feel like we're I feel like we're we're almost like graduating out of teenager dumb into i feel like we're like entering our 20s like as a podcast big boy podcast yeah we're by the way so this is the time we're going to announce that this podcast is now going to be super serious yeah and no laughing no no jokes no joking around no uh, off-color comments about other people's gear that they might own and definitely not no, no. it's going to be just just straight to the facts. <laughs> episode 200 starting. just a checklist of questions but we might have some plans for episode we might 200 we're working on it I we've got to talk about it. There's some complications that have come to my mind after I've been working through it, but we'll see. All right, and uh, the people will, will find out. The people will find out. Uh, did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. Did you watch the halftime show? I did. Did you notice who was playing guitar? I did Rihanna? not. Uh, I was watching the game, not yeah. really paying much attention. This halftime show happened. Was like that's a cool stage. Did not see that. Watched for a little bit. Nuno Betancourt, uh, extreme master extraordinaire, formerly of of the band Extreme, and oh, wow. many other things. Rihanna's guitar player, really? Yeah, I guess this is like a newer thing, but uh, she's also collaborated with him in the past. I had no idea. Uh, yeah, I didn't see a single guitar. I, I wasn't paying much attention. I, I actually saw Jason Isbell tweeted the same thing that happened to me. Is like guitar players across the country currently pointing at their tv and yelling nuno that's because <laughs> that's exactly what i did yeah did you see stapleton set up oh boy did i did, did he kill it or what dude, that's his signature telly into his signature princeton well from what i read fender posted it mm-hmm. and i thought that was an original like no 70s that's an american vintage it's the american vintage chris stapleton too. oh is signature. it the chris stapleton signature see i and did not know that his signature uh, that was his Princeton, amp, though, which right? is which I have played that amp in it. Reals. Which is also amazing that he played a 
what 12 watt amp or something like what are those things like it's between 12 and 16 yeah with a little speaker ask. i mean it's did you see the fat mic on that thing too? it was an, uh, i think it was an aea ribbon on that thing <laughs> that it, was awesome it, it sounded so good i mean of course they're gonna mic it and it's gonna go through the system and everything mm-hmm. but like you know the fact that he what he didn't have like a wall of amps and you know i thought that was kind of cool so. <laughs> that was one of the better uh, national anthem performances. Oh, maybe I the best I can remember. It was so, yeah, so good. Absolutely, that was that was pretty sick. Let's get into some random stuff. What else do we got on here? Let's see. Oh, I learned what JCM eight hundred comes from. Why that amp was originally called the JCM eight hundred? Is Marshall in there? It is. His license plate or tag on his car was JCM eight hundred because his name was James Charles Marshall. That's it. That oh, it. he okay. So he had a custom plate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like just three random letters. Like, okay. yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he chose eight hundred, but that was his yeah. his license plate, and that's when they that's Dang, why they named man. that the amp. Uh, th- this one, um, interesting today actually. The day we're recording this episode, which is February the seventeenth, is. Oh no! Wait, I'm sorry, I lied. It's just this year. It's not today, but 2023, the 140th anniversary of the founding of Gretsch. Oh, really? Yeah. 140 years for that brand that's wild that man. is super super wild I, I mean who knows if they were making fucking tugboats or whatever back yeah. then like I don't yeah. know, I'm not exactly they're sure making like uh, probably drums or something like that maybe mar- maybe marching drums for soldiers I bet I drums before I guitars I would bet Def. Yeah, Def. yeah 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 so that's kind of 140th cool. anniversary and to mark that they ago. released a couple we're not going to talk about it in any depth but they released a couple new guitars with new finishes that are like these dual chrome chrome sort of silvery finishes that okay. are pretty sick oh, maybe we'll hit yeah. those next week in the we'll, symphony dude we've got so much gear to get into I know, what I know. other We're random kind of, shit kind do I have powering through here oh 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 Bonamassa update Jobo the new amp the amp which we talked about whenever we whenever we build the full jo- build the full Joe board <laughs> yeah the Joe uh, board Joe Bordamasa we, in the his full rig just out of his signature yeah. gear we talked about that amp and how it was like what the heck what happened we heard about it and then it disappeared well he he might have done a little post about it because the bonamassa 48 1948 dual professional 210 tube combo it's coming i like the look of it yeah well have you ever seen an original Mm-mm. that's those that's okay. just that's what they looked like it's it's sort of like a weird split front thing where there's yeah. like a metal bar down the middle and it's like the speakers are angled away from yeah, each other like a little a bit shape to it or something that was uh it's a two by ten he yeah he that he, he teased it for a few for a while a couple years ago and yeah he must have really been in some deep maybe that was before COVID or something yeah yeah i don't know what happened but they he he announced it again and they said it's coming so we we'll finally get to finally get to check it out though, dude. dog all day <laughs> it's got to be like five grand. 36 to four is my guess yeah i was gonna say i was being generous by yeah. saying five. i think yeah 36 to five somewhere around there would be oh what else do we got one more thing before the riff like oh we didn't we didn't talk about the i mentioned that we didn't talk about pedal rumors the last time i had the opportunity Mm -hmm. well there's another there's another rumor floating around with some photos and i feel like we'd be remiss not to address it it seems that marshall is reissuing the original blues breaker pedal which is a big deal for a lot of us nerds out there it's uh i mean they they've Many amps have run with, or many amps, many pedal makers have run with the Blues Breaker circuit since Marshall came out with it, which right. of course was just a modified version of something else because there's no new original circuits. But 
it's they it, there have been photos that have been released on the internet by a couple guitar nerds who have for some reason gotten their hands on them and it looks like they're in the original boxes too which are like these crazy enclosures with raised knobs and this like kind of strange look i don't think i've ever seen one it's it's cool they also you might have seen uh johnny greenwood is known for using the marshall Shredmaster, mm. which is another pedal in the same type of enclosure as the blues breaker okay. originally came in it's not the ones that re- you probably remember from the 90s that came out with that were like those sort of silver eggy sort of shaped ones yeah yeah Th- those were like an evolution of these a lot of the same circuits they just put in those boxes try to get all funky with it yeah so this this is back to the original I, we don't know it hasn't been officially announced but there are pictures on the internet and it seems like they're happening so I feel like we might as well participate in the rumor mill and say that we're excited about this happening I want to believe yeah and secondly we've had a lot of conversation in general about the trend of people reissuing vintage gear right now it's I mean the Stapleton thing we just yes. the Jobo amp that dude there's a there's a there's a something going on i'm not saying there's not good new stuff coming out because we got to talk about some later we've got hey. a couple things but uh yeah it's, it's really funny like people it's, just love that old stuff it's either the old old or the new new hmm. nothing in between fuck the 80s <laughs> we got a rare find this week and uh actually uh, this was another one that i think reaver might have even posted about which was one of the original fender bass v's five string fender basses what what are they doing with it well they've they want a rare find of the week one of the original ones is for sale on reverb right now oh one of the original like the first uh prototype yep exactly and it was and as i'm sure you know and many of our listeners do when they made those first five strings they didn't put a an extra low string on there no sir they put an extra high string on there yeah they're tuned e to c or something like that or something yeah eadg i think it was high c maybe Fucking A, bro. I don't know. Yeah. Well, or they also sound like poo poo. Rosewood board, maple neck, split coil pickup that it's kind of like the little weenier. It's like the little bass music one. master. Right. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, Alder body, original case. And uh, by the way, sorry, folks, if you want to get up high, only 15 frets on these guitars. Yeah. Not, not a lot of room. They have a little shorty, up. weird neck. They them. do. Uh, only about 200 were ever produced. Really? All the way up until 1971, when they're I know John Paul Jones played one. He did famously. Indeed. I honestly, maybe the most famous. Yeah, I can't picture anybody else Mm-mm. with one of those things. I'm going to ask you, Dave. What do you think that original is going for? Going for? Well, I could tell you, I because I've seen some for sale that aren't like the original one, but mm-hmm. like a like a 65 or something. What year was it? Did you say? I forgot to write it huh. down, but I, it's it's an it's an early one. Yeah, I think they. I want to say like maybe 63 or 64. They might have started doing those in CBS years, 65. And I think those are around like five grand. So I'm going to go ahead and say like, I'm going to say like eight grand on that thing. Dude, you were closer the first time, 5,500. For the first one? It's not the first one, but it's like, an, it's an early one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So that's a uh, pretty rad. Yeah. They're, they're not as expensive. I'd as love to get my grubby paws on one, but yeah, the weird 15 fret thing is kind of what, yeah. And, and honestly, they're just, they're just kind of, they're just kind of ugly. They're just kind of goofy. Looking it was an me. attempt at something. They tried something. It's like when they were just like, let's just come up with something really different and weird. And then they didn't really think it out and they kind of made it. And then, cause I mean, even to put like a better pickup in it would have been a smarter idea, but they're just a little puny just a little wiener. Yeah. A little music master pickup or something. This one, you know what? I I I, I am going to say I think this is this is a gear jail potential Ooh, here. Lock right here. We've talked a lot about teenage engineering around here as mm-hmm. a brand. Uh, I recently, recently sold one of their pieces of gear that I had for a significant profit, 
they they do a lot of weird stuff and i that's one of the things i really like about them Mm -hmm. i just want to put that out on the table pun intended because they have announced the teenage engineering field desk the teenage engineering field desk is uh, an ikea style minimalist flat pack piece of furniture okay that's it and that's it okay they made their own desk they made their own desk no gear uh it is it uses what they're calling the field rail system so i think it's like this sort of modular i was gonna say there's got to be something that makes it kind of deal yeah where you can build your own furniture and accessories Hmm. uh they're produced by the scandinavian manufacturer hydro using engineering grade 75 percent recycled aluminum or aluminium if you're fancy uh, the actual desktop is Formica, so it's plywood, birch plywood. Yeah. The only sort of interesting thing that I can find about it is that it's double-sided, so that apparently if you, like, beat up one side, you can flip it and have a fresh table. I guess that's cool. Uh, doesn't come with any drawers, but fear not, you can buy all sorts of add-on accessories. Oh, I'm sure. And it uses, like, standard M5 yeah. screws. David. I mean, look, if, what you're do you gonna, think? if you're gonna ask me how much I think it costs, the reason they might be in gear jail is because I have a feeling it's gonna be a high. <laughs> uh, Context, I'm, I love it. I'm gonna say Detective David. Detective David <laughs> Dave's dicks, dude. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean, dude, if if it's over if it's over like three hundred bucks, I'm I'm out. And I'm gonna say it's gonna be more than that. Fifteen ninety nine. Oh my lord. <laughs> Oh, that's straight to gear jail. That's uh, that's that's dollars or pounds, now, friend. Let me let me let me just no drawers. Right, fucking sixteen hundred dollars. Let me just think this thing through real quick because first of all, they're teenage engineering. They make great stuff. They like do. you said, really unique things. To me, they're not enough. They're not a big enough name where they're going to be like we can just charge us a crazy amount. Have this really cool desk. What if Universal Audio made their own desk? And they might. I have no idea. But what if they made their own desk where like things fit into it and it's mm-hmm. kind of built around like, you know, there are many interfaces, you know, you got all these drawers and sliders and cool things where like the monitors tuck back or sure. something like that. Things like that. Yes. I could see that being like $1,500, you know, or something. Sure. And people would invest. Or even more, a, depending on yeah, if, if it you has had, fucking drawers, dude, for instance. If you had a studio, home studio and you were all about that brand and stuff, but this brand doesn't make enough stuff to me. And ironically, other shit's like micro shit. All this stuff is tiny. Yeah, so you don't need it. It's made for like a hotel room and shit. So I don't know, man. Uh, That's kind of wacky. I'm having a hard time approaching it from any angle where just buying an Ikea desk doesn't make more sense. Right. Which is what everyone's been doing for years. Yeah. Unless you have like some crazy board. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it, man. The desk thing is just a a wormhole that I can't go down because I'm like, this works for me. I have enough room to be Uh comfortable. You know, you have a fine desk right there. I've got a nice, heavy, solid it wood seems, desk. It, I mean, it's it's it looks the same as it did when I first saw really it. Fuck you up if you nothing's try to collapsed. Do to it. Yeah, exactly. You know, nothing's rattling. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, that's I don't a know. Bummer. I don't think they're going to sell any it. of those, man. I do not understand. And, and it's and, I mean, you know that that is just absurdly affordable to manufacture, right? We're talking about right. alu- stamped aluminum, basically, or even yeah. if it's even if it's freaking drawn out by a blacksmith right but it's even got this like really minimalist design you said so it it's kind of not it it did they have uh did they have a photo of it yeah oh yeah did it have like was it like there was a monitor and speakers and like all this stuff was it like decked out the or only was it just like empty f- the with- only photos i saw were literally like out in a desolate field 
and it was more so kind of focused on the engineering aspect of like here are the different sure because you build the thing yourself oh yeah you do for sixteen hundred dollars yeah <sighs> throw away the key as far as I'm concerned on that one I just I don't I do not understand it my wife just got a because uh, we're we're doing desk talk for a desk second. talk my wife just got a standing desk oh, just okay. like a, a really not expensive one I think it was like one hundred and sixty bucks uh-huh. Amazon. It might break at some point, right. but it even has an auto thing where you press the button and it goes and it knows how high you can mm-hmm. in centimeters and stuff. Um, and I was like, wow, I'm jealous. I want one now. But I would rather just have something like that. It's huge. You could, there, I could easily put a whole recording setup on there and be, yeah. be good to go. And drawers and hooks. Dude, my last office, Microsoft, I had a convertible sit stand desk, and it, but it was like a big honk. They've gotten thing a lot more it was streamlined. Like motorized. Yeah. And it was like. The whole, you know, my, it was like, it was, like, you would like, never know that it was a convertible desk. It looked just like yeah. a regular desk. Cause like I've, I've seen the ones that are like you put on top of a desk and it's just like a small. Yeah, no, this is like its own, just a table thing. and chairs yeah. and like, you know, or whatever legs. Those are cool. And I like the memory aspect of it where it's just like you set it and yeah. you, you know exactly. But I could, I could go. buy like 14 of those and be, be good to go. You yeah. know? So. Okay. One more thing for gear gel, which I'm honestly, this one's tough for me, Dave. Yeah. Let's get the jury out on this. This one, I feel I f- I feel personally involved, even though I'm not. Wow! And it's because another Gibson Music City Les Paul mm. Junior showed up on Reverb. Okay. And the prices are out of control. Now, on now those refresh us. So and that's me. that's the guitar that you hate, mm-hmm. that I, I love. I do think it's disgusting. That you think is very ugly, yeah. and I do kind of think it's ugly too. But it is essentially. Right. A, a Gibson Telecaster in mm-hmm. so many ways. It's a Les Paul Jr. setup. They call it a Les Paul Jr., but it's actually two pickups, so that'll make it a special. Right. It's got P90s. You know, the Junior special style, just flat top, no carve to it. It does have a, just a slab. Uh, a wacky like uh, pickguard on it, right? It's got kind of a Tele looking Like the Tele custom pickguard, right? Like the big one that comes it out? Kinda, it it kind of just looks like a regular Telecaster yeah. pickguard okay. as much as you could get yeah, on a I know guitar what you like mean that. Now. Yep, yep. But the the reason I really want it is first of all it's all maple, right? So maple even, maple even board, board yeah. which you hate, Mm-mm. and it has a freaking B bender, which is the main reason that sure. I want it. Which is convertible to a G bender as well. You can do B or G. That's cool. It would allow me to complete my goal of only ever playing Gibson guitars because right, right. now the only non Gibson I play is my Tele. Right. So if I could have a, a Gibby Tele. You with would a need bendy, a, you would need a Fender. I never anymore. touch a Fender. Again. Yeah, but what do you think this one is listed for? Well, and they're very rare. They were. It was a Gibson Guitar of the Month like fifteen years ago. They only made a very limited amount of them. They were not that expensive when they came out. I kick myself every day for not having bought one then. Is this possible? You saw this a couple weeks ago because you did send me one a couple weeks ago, and I do remember how much. It no, was. this is a new one. Okay, well, the one you sent me a couple weeks ago, and it was after you bought, I think you were just getting ready to buy the red one mm-hmm. that we talked about extensively last yes. week. Listen to episode 198 if you want to hear That's all right. about Henry's new Les Paul. And uh, I remember like looking at that after looking at the one that you were already getting, and I was kind of like, no, dude, <laughs> the red one's so much cooler. But anyways, um, that was three grand, I want to say. Yep. This one's thirty two hundred. That oh. one, that one, I think was like twenty six or twenty seven. Maybe t- okay, but yeah, I always factor. It's gone up to thirty. It, this is the first one that I've oh. seen listed over three thousand three. But it is the only one available. I mean, if you really want it, you know that's. I know. But that is crazy. I mean, did they just not make a lot of them, or did people buy them and no one wants to sell them? Very few. So I feel like I'm, I'd never seen them in the wild. Like at I've sh- never seen one at shows. Actually, I've never touched one. I've never played one. I've never seen someone play one. Yeah. I 
think it was like two or three hundred. It was a very limited guitar of the month, probably because they were kind of stupid. Right. But I remember when you first told me you wanted one mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And they were in like the 15 range. Maybe? I would say they were like 18 to two already okay. at that oh, point. Okay, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe like 17. They've gone up significantly though. Now they're over $3,000. Yeah, that's just a, a couple years later. And I've got to be honest with you. Makes you want it even more. It makes me want it even less. Okay, good. It does. I'm, I feel like I am losing my intense, overwhelming desire to own one of those. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe you'll come across one one day, but you know, as they've become collector pieces now, I just, I don't. I don't, it's just making me not want it, man. Yeah. It's the very rarely, cause you were right on like your instinct was correct. Typically what I can't have makes me want it more. Sure. In this situation, it's, it's, it is genuinely making me want it less. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one for me. Cause I, I wish I could relate. Cause I wish I like liked the guitar to yeah. be like, man, you I don't, don't know. I'd still go for it. Yeah. But you know, and then, and then what? Then you're just buying it hopefully as an investment and maybe it'll gain another thousand dollars in five years or something. But or or the bottom falls out of the, yeah. the gear market and it's worth less than he paid for yeah. it. But that's the thing is I have no, you know we know we've said it so many times on the show. I'm not a guitar collector. Right. I have many guitars, but I I like to play guitars. And if I was going to get something like right. that with the intent per, the intent of it gaining money, I wouldn't play it. No, of course not. You know, and yeah. that's the opposite of what I would want to do yeah, with that's it. Not so what we do around I'm not I'm not trying I'm not trying to yeah. get one of those anymore. Well, I'm In secretly. Fact, we've reached the point now where it would actually be it would genuinely be a lot cheaper to buy a junior and have someone put a B bender in it than to actual buy. Well, that's what I was actually going to bring up. Cause I've seen used juniors in the vicinity of like a thousand dollars, even less sometimes if they're beat up enough or if people do wacky things to them, why not experiment with something like that? And you know, are there external B benders that you can buy? Like there are, they probably don't work great. Ugly. Yeah. Frankly. So the, with the Telecaster, though, is, doesn't that one use an external, or is that they built? It's that built in. Oh, okay. Which means they have to hog out a bunch of wood and mm. all that stuff. It's it's a it's it a like pretty a intense procedure, thing, though, right? Yeah. So the one like what what the way a B bender works is your strap is attached to what is typically the top strap button. Yes. That's you know not the one near the bottom of the guitar, the one near the top yeah, of the guitar, the and that's intense attached to a, a lever system, and you pull on pull it. on it with the neck. Oh. And that bends the string. Okay. And so there are ways to do that externally. Yeah. All the ones I've seen are ugly it would look and like weird. like a crazy brace on it or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Or there's, I've seen ones where, in fact, I own one sent by a company that I can't, I can't fit it on my Telecaster, otherwise it would be on there. Yeah. That's sort of like a palm device where it kind of just handles it down there without I having think to do I've any routing stuff. I think Nathaniel Murphy was playing one of those one time. Maybe. Could be. Yeah. Maybe. But it's and a, a company version. called Barum, B-A-R-Y-M, and it's a very wonderfully machined piece. And I just have never, it, because of my telly being a weird Dan Smith era one, the bridge is different and it doesn't oh. fit on. And, and mine, I have a top loader telly, which yeah. is highly coveted, frankly, but doesn't. You need work. a string it needs through. To be string through. Yeah, yeah. got you. So that's that, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, it's almost a kind of a relief. Yeah, it's a relief to me. <laughs> Because I would, I would, I would hate to act like I really liked a guitar that I didn't. No, I know, I know you can't. I know you don't know me well enough to know that I just, I. Well, yeah. dude, I'm not, I'm not a dick enough to. If you bought a three thousand dollar guitar, I'd be like, that's a piece of shit. Yeah, right. You know, even as you know, maybe behind your back or something. Dude, I remember, and we're gonna get to something that I, my favorite thing to say every week, real soon. But before yeah. we get to that, the time when our buddy Adam had that Dumble, mm-hmm. I remember Brad gave him shit about it like right after he bought it and he did not react very well. Yeah. Because that was, and I mean, even then he, it was yeah, probably was like early 2000 or mid 2000, mid 2000s. That was probably like 
I don't know. He probably paid at least fifty thousand dollars for that, you know. And so for for us to be like, you bought a Dumble, you dork. Yeah, that's now, like buying a Ferrari. And now I'd be like, like what a piece oh, of shit. yeah, of course. Holy shit. Well, now it's know? yeah. And well, and I and frankly did feel that way after I got to play it because I was like, oh, this it's is the, the best amp that's ever been made. I forgot maybe. he had that. Yeah, that's so funny. Fucking fifty thousand dollars, and it's not realistically because it was celebrity owned before him. It, that's probably every bit of three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars now. Yeah, and like we talked about last week, it. that one was the like one that's not half wasn't a even celebrity owned, right? Yeah, right. So. No, that's right. It, was, it came from Blackboard Studios. I guess that's technically that's pretty, yeah, pretty well known. I guess <gasps> pretty well known, like Dave's docs, freaking Dave's docs. We're gonna talk about a doc on Dave's docs. I feel like every time you do the cool '90s voice, like I don't have a cool '90s grunge doc to back it up with. <laughs> but uh, what kind of doc do you have? To so back it up okay, with? so this is a weird one because. I think I've talked about this one before, but it was not on my list. Oh. So we may have discussed it in passing on one of the way earlier episodes. Wow, I love like that. Like way earlier episodes. But it always comes up in the top 10 music docs. Like on oh. pretty much every list that I top ten. Google. And I think you've probably seen it, maybe. Okay. And I'm talking about The Devil and Daniel Johnston. Oh, yeah. You know, are you familiar I have, with I, I have seen that documentary. I've seen Daniel Johnston perform live. You have? I'm a fan. When did you yes. see him? He pl- he did a after that documentary came yeah. out he did a, a short tour yeah and he played the Metro okay. and two of my friends including Rob Jensen who used to be in probably Vampires and Sean Rios who you probably know backed him up at that gig no way yeah wow it was pretty rad yeah because he actually at the end kind of started playing in a band well it's a 2005 documentary yeah. this one so um all right well it's look i'm not gonna get too deep into the weeds because there's not a lot of gear talk yeah, and let me just say i don't think i don't remember us ever talking about this okay one before. maybe we didn't maybe yeah. i was just talking about it like not on the podcast <laughs> wait you have conversations I, about things not yeah into microphones and i used to also watch documentaries that weren't on podcast <laughs> did i text you the other day and i was like i can't watch like documentaries anymore oh that's right because i think i said maybe i sent you an article i sent you about that lava other... one that was that volcano one that oh was that was good oh the, the it was um Werner herzog right yeah it's a uh fire of love I yeah think it was I, I still need to see that pretty good yeah pretty good um anywho so basically yeah uh if you don't know who daniel johnston is honestly maybe like the original hipster ever like without intentionally trying to be well he's also i mean i don't know how, yeah i don't really they, obviously it's an older documentary and i don't really know how you address it but he definitely is on some sort of spectrum He's like not a just like a normal functioning. Yeah, it's it's person. really it's more of a documentary about mental illness than right. it is about his music. Unfortunately, I mean they talk about the music and there's some pretty pretty amazing things that happen. Um, but he was basically like a filmmaker as a teenager. He loved to make these home movies about his parents. He kind of hated his parents a little bit because they were like super conservative mm-hmm. Christians, and he wasn't like that. And he ends up, you know, he ends up getting kind of more introverted through high school, which a lot of us do. And he goes to college, but then he goes to like an art school and he starts meeting other people and he's like, all right, cool. And he kind of always played music. They had piano around the house. They showed him playing a guitar like when he was really young and stuff. So he was kind of always, always a somewhat of a musician. And well, after art school, he basically met a girl that like basically like broke his heart. I think he thought in his in his mind that he was like dating this girl Mm -hmm. because she gave him attention. And then she's like, dude, what? You know, that's crazy. But he had, he said he had already written like a thousand songs in his head for her. Wow. Oh, she, he found out she had like a boyfriend or something. So that's kind of where yeah. I think it really like kicked him off into like the songwriting, like the deep, deep songwriting stuff. Um, he lived with his brother for a little while. It was kind of sad because he had, I think he had like four or five siblings and they were all older 
and they kind of passed him around in the sense that like he would live with them for a little while. Right, I forgot about this. And they all would this. get yeah, he, he would live with the brother for a while, and the brother's like, dude, you're not normal. Like until you're until you get like a normal job and like start acting normal, which you know whatever that means nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't live here. And this is like the mid '80s, by the way. So like you know, people said things differently, and they were less aware of of you know mental illness and stuff. Well, exactly. They they so then he moved to his sister's house, and this is this is a pretty crazy part. He goes there and he didn't um, he didn't have any his recording stuff. So he kind of always had like a tape recorder deck and like he'll have like his guitar or like yeah. he had this like upright piano that he would play. When he moved in with his sister, uh, he didn't have any of that stuff. So he bought this really cheap electric organ and he had, oh, maybe it was his brother's. There was a weight bench in the garage and he set up like a home studio and they showed a picture of it. And it was literally just like on the bar, he taped like a microphone right. that goes to like a tape recorder, yeah. like a four track or not even, like probably like one of those talk boy tape recorders. Um, and everything was just really stripped down and he would just play organ with like these drum beats and make these insane songs. And, and I mean, we have to address his voice. He, he doesn't, it, it almost sounds like a, like a young person or something like the way the register that he sings. It's very, I guess you could say child, child. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, and, and even the lyrics are very like, like, I, I want to say simple, but like, they're also like, I couldn't come up with that. Well, some of them are deeply well, they're poetic deep and poetic, yeah. but also very like. Yeah, like it was just like you're like, oh, it sounds like it sounds like a six year old or something like that. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, there's some I guess you'd say arrested development with with that. Yeah. So this is what's interesting. So then he moves to Austin. He's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to Austin. And then he kind of he starts like performing around Austin. He's handing out these tapes. Uh, which is the Hi, How Are You tape, which is the famous T-shirt. Like the Kurt Cobain. The Kurt Cobain yeah. T-shirt. It's the, you know, the creature with the big eyes. Almost sort of like a frog looking thing. Yeah. And and there was a thing. He always had obsessions with like eyeballs. Like yeah. he would draw them on everything. He would draw them on like pictures of people and like he would like, you know, draw them around like the school and stuff. And he never really explained why. Oh like, my why. God, dude, you're filling my body up with the intense desire to rewatch this documentary. It's good, man. It's so it's good. It's very good. Um, I forgot about all of yeah, this. Yeah, I really, I, I liked it. It was, it's sad. So what happens after he passes the tapes out in Austin? So he passes the tapes out in Austin and this one band, he sees this band playing and I, I think they were, they were called Glass Eye or something like that. And they were this local Austin band. And they kind of took him in as like a friend because he went to their show. He saw eyeballs on their flyer like that. Mm-hmm. Their whole flyer was just like two big eyeballs or something. He was like, I have to go to the show. This is like a calling. Like he was very attracted to things that were like part it's of a, his it's path. A sign. It's a sign. It's part of my path. So he goes there and they end up letting him open at another show for them after he kind of befriends them. And he does his shit. And like, you know, this is still like, I want to say not even the 90s yet. Mm-hmm. This is like the late 80s. He basically is like he performs and people are like, we've never heard anything like this. And they go absolutely crazy for him. And he's working at McDonald's at the time. And people start like coming to like see him like at McDonald's, you know, like, like fans would, because they knew he worked there That's and there like was the, no, uh, he had no phone or anything. So there was no way to get a hold Wayne of Wayne coin, uh, long John silver. Oh, no, totally, man. I didn't, I totally didn't connect those. Uh, then there's kind of like, there's some big like moments. So I'll kind of breeze over like, you know, a lot of the detail, but he goes to a butthole surfer show in Austin. Mm. He does acid for the first time and he basically like loses his mind. Yeah. And this is kind of sad because he gets like, he gets like addicted to acid. He starts doing mm-hmm. it all the time and he really, and then that with, you know, the, the mental stuff, it's really like, he's not in a good place. Um, but he's still playing and he's still performing. And they even said at one point there were like record labels trying to get a hold of him and they had to call the McDonald's cause he had no phone and they were like, we want to like sign this guy. And McDonald's at first was like, "Oh, that's kind of funny. Like this, these labels like want to sign you, or they want you to come play these shows." Yeah, that's probably annoying after a while, dude. Right? They were like, "All right, we serve burgers. Like yeah. this is crazy. You know, you got to get out of here." So, um, 
Yeah, he did all that. And then, so he's performing on Austin. Oh, I thought this was interesting. So when he recorded tapes, he would record them one at a time or, you know, probably in batches, but he would record like one master mm-hmm. and then pass it out. And then he'd go back and re-record the same master again yes, right. and pass that out. So they said he had a thing where he couldn't just like, he couldn't just record like you, like one song. He would have to do the whole thing start to finish mm-hmm. in that same order every time. And uh, so he's like passing tapes out. So it's kind of interesting and neat to think there are these old tapes floating around. Different versions of the same songs. Where they're song. different versions of the same songs. I think that's so cool. Don't let the sun go down on your grievances is my very favorite. Oh, man, dude, there are some there are some heartbreaking mm-hmm. songs on that shit. Um, okay, so then he goes to New York for a little while. He starts becoming friends with Sonic Youth. They try to take him under his wing. All It's going great for like a few days. And then he just has another episode. Yeah. And he, you know, he gets arrested. I guess he was, he starts to do this thing where he kind of gets into Jesus and he's getting away from all the eyeballs and all like the, all the negative, like satanic shit. And in this whole time, he's kind of battling. Like he thinks like Satan, everybody's Satan. And you know, it's, it's, it's bad. And he gets arrested by, for drawing Jesus fish on the Statue of Liberty. They even have an audio recording of it. Cause I guess the neat thing about this doc is everywhere he goes, he's got a tape recorder. Right. So all of these tapes, I mean, at least the majority of like all of this audio footage is in this with a lot of video footage, too. Mm-hmm. So it's very nostalgic in that way. And you're like, it kind of sets a reality to what really happened rather than just having somebody tell the story. Secondhand. Exactly. So, yeah, like the part where he's getting arrested, like, you know, the cop is like, I can't believe you did this, man. You defaced like this monument. Like, what are you doing, man? We got to arrest you. Like, this is crazy and all this stuff. So that happens. He has another breakdown. He goes back. He kind of goes back and forth from Austin. Then he goes to Maryland for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's essentially it's really sad. Um, you know, he's suicidal at times mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, in 19, oh, so then in 1990, kind of the big thing is he gets invited to play South by Southwest. They invite him from the mental institution that he's in. Fuck. So he's like practicing there, and he's like, okay. And they, his dad like gets him out, and they fly. The dad had like a prop airplane. Do you remember this part? No. The dad has like his own prop airplane. So he flies him from, I think he was in Maryland or Virginia, to Austin, and they get there, and he performs, and I guess it's like the most incredible performance ever. They show mm-hmm. footage from it, standing ovations. <laughs> Bless you. Wait, Everybody wait. else who performed, like, you know, uh, didn't get an ovation like that. Like, yeah. People went apeshit, and he only performed like four songs. He has this, it's, there's, yeah, there's this. It's like an innocence. Magnetism, but like power yeah. in his voice and the way he performs. Yeah. It, it's, and it's almost it's like, unlike this anything rec- I've seen like before. this reckless, like if you were listening to it, you'd be like, oh, that guy can't play guitar. Like he's kind of just hitting like a couple like sloppy yeah. strings at a time, but you're watching his left hand and you're like, no, he's playing chords. Like mm-hmm. he's, and he can, he's a virtuoso on piano, Yeah, but he only plays what he wants to play. Like that's kind of his thing. Very simple, stabby, straightforward yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. But then he would, he did a few runs. I was like, man, that's kind of impressive. Like he played like blues progressions and stuff really well. Um, yeah. So basically he becomes like even more famous in, in Austin. Well, the dad's got to take him back to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So they're flying and he has an episode. Oh, and he'd been, ta- he'd stopped his medication. The dad was trying to give it to him, but he was hiding the pills. And he stopped taking the medication for days before the South by mm-hmm. thing because he was like, I want to be, he knew that it was affecting him. Like yeah, he, he sure. couldn't be creative on it, made him groggy. He wanted to be himself. I can't blame him. Uh, well, he has an episode on the plane on the way back. He tries to crash the fucking plane. Oh my God. Like, like literally That's grabs right. the controls and it nosedives out of the sky. The dad has to land it in the woods. They crash into the woods and thank God, like they're, they were fine. Mm-hmm. And they show photos, and he's like laughing about it afterwards. He's like, oh, "Wasn't that fun, Dad?" Like, and it, it, like he, it's just it's it, the yeah his his he was just on another level, man. Mm-hmm. It was so crazy, um, yeah. And then so then the Kurt Cobain thing. He wore the uh, 
the Hi, How Are You t-shirt at the VMAs in 92, mm-hmm. which maybe was like peak MTV, honestly, at the Seriously. time, too. And so, I mean, it was seen by millions of people. Everybody wanted to know what that shirt was. Then people started buying his, his records and stuff, which didn't really exist. Exactly. Uh, there's a sad thing where this this manager the whole time is trying to like help him out, and he keeps getting fired by him because he's trying to help him, but he doesn't realize he's trying to help him. And so... Um, yeah, so Daniel just keeps firing him over and over and over again. And this whole time, this guy is just doing nothing but helping him. He's trying to get him all these deals and stuff. And uh, yeah, Electric Records finally goes after him, and they want to offer him. They said it was maybe the most one-sided contract towards a artist in the history of music. They, it was basically like, we're going to give you like all this money. They didn't say how much. But if anything, if you ever just want to stop, you can stop. If you ever just want to go and record, you can go record. If you ever want to not play a show, you can not mm-hmm. play a show. Don't have to do interviews if you don't want to. Like basically just being like, whatever you want to do, we're all in for you. And Jeff, this manager, was the one who like proposed it for him. He's like, Jeff, you're Satan. I'm not. This Electra's, oh Electra's the devil. I'm not signing this. And he ended up getting picked up by, there was a bidding war with Atlantic Records and they ended up picking him up. And then they dropped him because I think he released a, he released one real record on Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm. I think it sold like 8,000 copies. Yeah. So they were like, all right, within a year, they dropped him after that. So that's kind of sad. And then he performs again at the end. And it's like, there, it's full circle. Like he, you know, nothing tragic ever really happened no. along his path. So it was nice. He, he did sense. sort of like, yeah, I guess he kind of, I don't know if I want to say disappear, but he sort of oh, left yeah. any sort of semblance of fame for a long time. And then, yeah, around this documentary, there was a little bit of a resurgence, but I can't yeah. remember. I'm not sure. Like, in 2001, I, at the very beginning of the doc, they yeah. show him performing, and he's all you know, gained a lot of weight and exactly. stuff. And they uh, they show him performing on stage at like a big venue, mm-hmm. and there's like a lot of fucking people. Oh, watching. I mean, Metro, it was sold yeah, out when exactly. I saw him. There. It was like the size of that. So you know, he obviously had this cult following this yeah. whole time and stuff, which was cool. But it was also like this: you didn't know what what version guess, of him. You I guess were I just get. I wonder what what he's up to now. You know, he passed away in 2019. He did. Okay, yeah, I looked it up because the doc obviously ended in 2005. I, that's you know, now that you said, I, I think. But I do it was that. it was just a, you know he had a heart attack. It was mm-hmm. natural causes, so you know. Um, thankfully it wasn't suicide or anything like that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty incredible story, man. I mean, when you talk about, I guess, I, I guess the reason I watched it and the reason I wanted to talk about it was because when you talk about like pure artists and like almost like pure to the point where you don't even like listen to the things around you, any of the people who don't like you or any of the people who do, you just do your own thing every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, that's. There's something to be said about that. And I think there's I very agree. few people in the, in the world. The, art, the artist mentality. The art, the pure artist mentality, you know? So, uh, yeah, I fucking loved it. Yeah, I think it was I think it was actually a kind of a nice story about humanity. I think that the guy Jeff didn't get enough credit. Because mm-hmm. today, well, as of the doc, at the end of the doc, he's still putting out, mailing tapes. He's like, he's like, you know, we put him on this thing called the internet. I, man, you know, I can't remember. I don't think I've ever actually owned he started any a, physical yeah. Daniel Johnson releases. And I'm releases. sure you could find him on... Um, I'm sure you could find him on uh, eBay and stuff like that. But this whole time he kind of started without, I guess without permission or anything, but he was, and he wasn't taking any of the money. He was just sent mailing people tapes who wanted to buy Mm -hmm. his tapes because he had the masters. And he's like, dude, if I don't start downloading these to digital and like mailing these out to people, these are never going to exist in in 10 years or whatever. So I thought that was pretty incredible. That guy, yeah, Stress Records was the name of that record mm. for me. So if you look that up, that's all they distributed. It was only that. Just stuff. Him, it was yeah. only the, the Daniel Johnson. What's your ranking, bud? I gave it an 8 out of 10 cassette tapes. Just 8? Wow. I thought, it, I thought you were going to go higher than that. I liked it a lot, uh, but as a Dave's doc, I like it as a doc. More sure. Than a, 
more than a Dave's doc. Important distinction to make. Yeah, as a doc, oh, it's it's a solid nine out of ten, yeah. maybe even higher. But yeah, just the story's incredible. But as far as if you're looking for like awesome footage and gear and like all the fun stuff, that rock we like to talk docs. About, yeah, it was as far as rock docs go. Um, yeah, I had to give it a lower score just you know based on the the podcast and stuff. But I urge everybody to go see it, man. It's it's very, it's incredible. Very it's yeah, it's on those top ten lists for a reason for yeah. sure. And actually, I, I actually I had a copy of it from back in the day yeah but you can't find it you have to like pay for it on like yeah, right. youtube tv or whatever one of those yeah, yeah, so. one of those 499 deals. but you can find it yeah a couple bucks wow so there you go man. i'm so glad that we officially have that box checked for dave's docs it's, so I, it's, it's kind of a crime that's gear jail that we didn't have it's this gear jail dave's docs. toss yeah. me in for a day <laughs> shit it's friday i won't be out till monday i know damn it um no i was gonna say it's it's i know we've I think we talked about it on here. Maybe but just I, like we've just like had a convo. And it might have just been a convo. It might have just. But I remember you saying like, oh, I've seen him and like all that mm-hmm. stuff. So you refreshed my memory on that. But Damn, dude. Good so one. that was a long one. But uh, yeah, there you go. Episode 199. Dave's doc took us all the way here. <laughs> Birthday cake. Love it. Let's get into future gear. And as my good friend Dave alluded to here, I bought some more stuff this week. But we're not going to start there. Okay. We're going to. We're going to. Talk. We didn't really. There's just like a couple of new pieces of gear that came out that we didn't really talk about. Sure. Much stuff recently in that regard, and I want to get to a little bit of it before. Yeah. We get into my new entire rig. <laughs> bought, um, first, do you are you do you remember Banker guitars with us talking about them in the past? No. Okay. So, I think it was last year, maybe. It was announced by Gibson that they had done this new they'd created this new program where you know they had these like certified partners mm-hmm. where you could oh they called the authorized partner program that began in 2019 and basically a company can buy a license to build it's still a banker guitar but it's with full-on gibson designs and, and so the ones that i that we first mm. talked about that i was familiar with and yeah. that you'll remember are the Karina V yes, and Explorer very much that were sort of made famous by Nathaniel Murphy? Actually, mm-hmm. he did some pretty awesome demos. I actually sold one of those when I was still working at CME. A very expensive, and those weren't the ones with like the wacky hardware and stuff on them. No, they they looked just like fifty eight yes. or fifty nine, fifty eight Karina. They just didn't use a Gibson logo. It just had the banker logo, basically. Okay. Well, he has now come out with another instrument, and this is a bit different because it it's kind of. What I would consider to be, it, it's 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 very much a Gibsony thing, but I think that this kind of looks like a cross between an SG and a Les Paul, and I want to actually show you a picture before we carry on That's, because I, I want to get your t- what your thoughts are on that look. Wow, the headstock, which isn't visible in the picture, is just like a pretty standard Gibsony looking headstock that says Banker well, on it. Is there? Isn't there an SG called like the Diablo or something that has the body curves on it like that? It there is one that's a little more contoured. There's there aren't that's any that Gibson contour. makes that has the actual Les Paul carve like this right. one has on right, it. Right, right, right. So what we're talking about here is this. Uh, it's called the Iron Man CT. Iron Man, I think, might be a little bit of a nod to Tony Iommi. Yep, you never I would know. Say so. CT stands for carved top. So just imagine. A Les Paul body shape with that really sort of dynamic. Yeah, kind of want to run your hand carve. Over it. Yeah, want to give it a little little smush mm-hmm. uh, that a Les Paul has in a gold top. Yeah, it is, which you don't often see on like an SG on an SG shape. No. It also has it also has a Les Paul style Bigsby on it. It doesn't have the shorter 
uh, SG Bigsby, and I really like that look too. I assume the whole body's painted too. It doesn't have a back on it. So it no, it has like a standard sort of like dark mahogany oh, cool. back. Yeah. So the Iron Man CT definitely, obviously, like we said, SG last Paul, but it's got that that, that deep dish yeah, that they like put that. on there. Which also, I feel like the the gold top kind of accentuates that a little bit too. Because oh, absolutely. If it's it was a, if it was a different finish, yeah, I might not think Les Paul right away mm-hmm. as much as I do with the gold top. So that's I think that's intentional. Uh, this was interesting. Oh, I don't know if you noticed. Typically, an SG has the selector switch down by the uh, knobs. Oh yeah, another Les up. Pauly feature. It's up on the up horn at the top. Yeah. Uh, this what I was actually reading about. He talks about uh, Banker Paul Banker. I think is his, is his name. I don't remember his first name, but. He talks about the wood that he uses, and he said that he won't even use mahogany that was harvested within the past thirty years. Wow! So that's that cool. like not even like the age of the tree itself, but like harvested within yeah. thirty years. So that shit's just been sitting somewhere. That's right. Fretboard, wow. fretboard, genuine brass rosewood, which is in itself a seven hundred and fifty dollar upgrade. Fifties celluloid nitrate trapezoids, single ply binding. Uh, it has that plo- uh, floating style SG pick guard. Kind of, it sort of almost has customy vibes with the the amounts of binding and things that it has Does on it have there the he- too. The binding on the headstock. It doesn't. No, it's an unbound headstock. Okay. Uh, the humbuckers are actually banker specced throwback PAFs, and uh, it's got the whole you know pushback cloth wire, yada yada yada, orange drop caps, pure tone output jack, which I've been seeing that show up a lot more lately. Uh, I like it, Dave. What do you think? I'm curious. What's your? T- what do you think about the look of that thing? Oh, I love it. It's weird. You know, it, it kind of hits me a little weird. Like, it's kind of like those parallel universe guitars. Exactly. Where yes. you're like, it, my brain just goes, what? Because I've looked at so many SGs and so many Les Pauls. You yeah. Know? But did you say there's binding around the body? Did I not know? There is that? binding on the body. I can oh, show you. Oh, okay. Show me more. It's, just, it's a single, single cream oh, yeah. binding on there. I like that. I me think too. that gives it a cool touch. Yeah. You know, at first I was kind of like, I don't know. But the more that I look at it, the more I think it is actually pretty neat. And I think just in general, it's kind of a cool concept that Gibson is willing I'm sure for a pretty penny, allowing respected builders to kind of like mess with, take their stuff and mess with it a little bit, which they, you know, I feel like anytime they do that, they get a lot of flack. It's yeah. like they make a robot firebird yeah. or whatever. People are like, fuck <laughs> you, have to destroy you guys. It. <laughs> but now like you let someone else do mm-hmm. it who obviously he's a much more vintage minded builder yeah, and clearly. has a lot of taste and skill. Uh, That's kind of funny, it. man. Yeah, it, it is kind of like a parallel universe guitar because it, it right. combines those two things. What do you think it costs? Well, I where, do you, where does it start again? Just the Brazilian. Rosewood, yeah, that's a seven hundred fifty dollars upgrade. That's not included in the base price. Yeah, so, so I, where I've do you think it starts, dude? I've got to say they're they've got to be like five grand, maybe more. Starting at eighty five ninety nine. Yeah, because how many is he gonna make? I think it's one of those custom order. Yeah, I think so. Okay, that's cool. I'm sure that there are a certain number of uh, dealers out there, your CMEs of the world. I'm sure they. I'm sure they're gonna get a couple. You know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually kind of like that, that it's not like something that Gibson's doing as far as like, we yeah. made this new guitar. I Buy do it too. for $2,000. Exactly. Everybody buys one and then you see too many of them. Um, Which maybe they will now that I'm sure they could. I'm sure they have the right to make Oh, I'm anything sure like that. they could use it. Yeah. Um, where's his, were his other, he made the V for the other there was one. The V Explorer. and the Explorer. Did those he were, change those up though? Like how that one is like got a different. No, those were basically right. like if you were, were to buy a 58, yeah. this is what you'd get. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. It's really cool. Yeah, that's why that's I think that's the thing I like about it. he's sort of pushing it. He's taking that license that he paid 
a lot of money for, I'm sure, and using it in yeah. an interesting way. Yeah, I mean, if this episode wasn't so much of a beefer, I would ask you, what two guitars would you combine if you could combine two? But, <sighs> but that's, I mean, that would be like a rabbit hole of like, all right, well, this Well, this I, would, I would cheat, and, and I would make a double neck. Oh, yeah. Well, that Because you know how much I want a double neck. Would you do like a... Because they don't have like a like a Les Paul double neck. No, they're all SG style. Right. Yeah, I would probably I, honestly that's That'd just, be kind of cool. I would just I would just push two SGs I think that's together. A fair, that's yeah. a fair. Answer. No, if I could if I could combine two instruments, that's a, I'm going I'm going Parker Fly and <laughs> uh, just for the headstock, right? <laughs> oh my god, Ugh, Twix bar and uh, an Ibanez gem with the handle. Oh wow, yeah, good call. Yeah, what would you combine? Jazz uh, bass and a pew bass, bro. Mark, no, dude. Mark Hoppus signature. Pretty much. That actually, yeah, that kind of is. No, I, I don't like that bass. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be cool to do something with like a like an SG body, but like with different pickups or dude, something. Dude, I got it. Dan Armstrong, Les Paul. Ooh, I like the way you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Two different brands. Yeah. Like the like the clear, like the Lucite, but with the single. single Throw cut. it in the comments of the Instagram, folks. Let us know what, what, you what guitars would you combine? Give, give us and we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about in the episode if we, if we get any good ones one more thing let's see two more things i want to talk about before we get to my new gear uh one is actually yeah one one's a pickup one's a pedal someone a company called allegory i believe is how you pronounce it out of the uk has created what they are calling the highest output pickup ever made whoa it's a humbucker it is called the High Jewel Tufnel. Little little spinal tap. Yeah. Pun coming at you. Pickup. Because this one goes to 11. Oh. Okay. Someone at this company had the ingenious idea of sticking, of wanting to combine four DiMarzio Super Distortion pickups into one. Oh, boy. And if you've ever had a super distortion like I have, you'll know that those are very high output to begin with. They they actually typically measure around 13.5K. That's wild. Which is very high. This pickup, again, I just said 13.5K for like the hottest pickup I've ever owned. Yeah. This pickup is 54K. Come on, man. It's four fucking super distortions. Wouldn't that just be like one. constant feedback or something? I listened to a demo of it, and it is easily the worst sounding pickup oh, ever there's no way it's like they they just to compare the dude was playing like a relatively high output metal guitar into an amp and it was like a, a clean sound sure and then he plugged the, the a guitar the same guitar he put this other pickup in and it was just like full blast nasty distortion i into a clean channel i i mean ugh. and this they is took gonna four, exist it's it's two bobbins but they're uh, to, on top of each other they're like literally just like stack oh it exists you can buy it right now i was gonna dog. say this isn't like an early like a spinal tap april fool's joke or something like no that, it's it? it exists it's the highest output it'll make any clean amp sound broken and you can buy it right now uh what you dave what would you pay for such zero dollars i'm not interested no um if you were interested in such a pickup, yeah i don't what know what would you think they're charging for this how do how do they even like get it? Is it are they stacked like this and then like underneath or something? Like how do they fit? Is it just the way they're wound? I th- I think it's all of the above. They yeah. stacked things. They've overwound. Got to like hog out your guitar to like fit it in there. He the dude just put it straight huh? up in a normal guitar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. I I'm gonna. I mean, I'm guessing like what are they gonna sell them for? 150 bucks. 120 pounds. There you go. Yeah. Pounds. All UK right. UK brand. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll ship here because you know. 
Because so many, so many American butt rockers. You know, want. Americans want that shit. Put it, in the, put it in the neck. Go it's to, just, go it's to crazy town. to me to like to buy something that like, you know what? What it is is you couldn't use like a sweet amp with it. No, you couldn't do that. It makes everything sound bad. You could maybe run it through like your rolling keyboard amp or something, like something <laughs> that like just would never feed back. <laughs> I'm telling you, straight, I don't know you what pl- you plugged do into a it. just a straight up clean tube amp, Ugh. and it sounded like. <laughs> And then the guy played stuff on it. Yeah, of course. Oof. Yeah, that's rough. Crank man. some chords, dog. So Coming if you're interested, Allegory, the High Jewel Tufnel, which, you know which is, I do have to say, that is funny. kind of cute. You know what I have to say, though? It's like, just because you could doesn't mean you should. No. You know? I'm glad they did, though. I'm glad I now know we how know. bad it sounds. Because I'm, I'm sure some stoned idea has floated through my brain at some point, being like, "What if I just stuck all together? What if, all stuck together, all pickups together, what if my whole bass was a pickup?" Imagine bro. having like one of those like three pickup SGs, or like the original like Les Paul. I actually might have thrown a ball at a three pickup SG oh, uh, yesterday. Dude. The man said no thanks. It was a trade offer on Craigslist. But, really? Yeah. Just only because he he specifically mentioned that he was open to trades. I was like, "Oh yeah, here's some stuff not, I've got." Not your trades. He was just like, "Nah." Yeah, I think he wanted he wanted a jazz master. Oh. But yeah, I don't have any of those anymore. Nope. One more thing to talk about because as the Dodd father, it, it is my duty to mention this. They have, they being DOD, revived their beloved 50-year-old Overdrive Preamp 250. Oh. The DOD 250, which I'm sure Classic. everyone is aware of. Now, as you might recall, you know, they were in trouble, Digitech DOD. We didn't know what the fate was, and we had a couple episodes right. dedicated it to that. Disappeared for a while. And right. it turns out that they were actually purchased by the Cortec Corporation, hmm. a.k.a. the company that owns Cort Guitars. Oh, okay. And uh, so now they're reviving a lot of this stuff, including the 250, which it's, it's just, frankly appalling to me that that was even off the market temporarily for yeah. how classic and ubiquitous that pedal is yeah but the reissue will officially make its debut at the 2023 nam straight up just direct descendant of the original nothing fancy about it yeah just no, making no the 250 mods again. Anything, no huh? mods huh it's just it's the sort of pedal that should always be for sale it's a boss ds1 it's a it would almost be like it's a freaking to, to switch something up in it exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean yeah and there are you own a clone of it. Like, there are right. many clones, versions of that pedal out not there. Not that they would manufacture. Not the DoD. Not fair, the Godfather fair. edition. What do you think they're asking for that, per- that uh, pedal? 100 bucks. Buck 09. All right. Wasn't that a band? 100 bucks. Buck 09? I think Buck 09 was a band. I know Buck Cherry was a band. Oh, do that cocaine, baby. Love that song. Uh, you know what? I feel like that's a good place for us to stop talking about new gear that's coming out and. Let's talk about some new. Let's talk about some Hankquisitions, baby. I'm gonna get another cocktail. Do it. Do you want one? Uh, I'm still working on this first one. All right. So, my bud, let's talk. As you crack, (sighs) I've been threatening to do this for a while. We, I've been, you know, talking about wanting to get a high gain amp, and maybe I was gonna actually build it around going with a Kemper and a power amp. And I explored all the options: pedal board, yada yada, this yada yada that. I just bought a freaking high gain amp because you yeah, know you what? Did. I decided that I wasn't really happy with the clean amp, clean loud amp with pedals thing. Right. I for for what my heavy metal band that has reunited does, I was just like, nah. I want to be able to just get ninety five percent of what I ever need plugging that Les Paul, which we talked about ad nauseum last week, and I'm in love. I with. do want to backtrack a hair. We will, yeah, and plug it into a heavy amp, yeah. and get my sound. That's what I want, right? And that's what I did. Because I bought the 
EVH 5153-50S Stealth 6L6 50 watt amp head. What Say a, that what three a times. Fast. That's a lot of numbers. That's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. And it's uh, it's Eddie Van Halen signature and, thing. I mean, in my opinion, there's a lot of stuff going on with the amp. There is a lot of stuff going on, going on with the amp. I want to ask you, though. You said you wanted to take a step oh, back. Oh, I just wanted to ask quick how the yes. Les Paul went over at uh, the band practice. Right. So sure. that was kind of the thing is that really motivated this was that I played it at that first practice. and What was I, the rig there? Uh, I was playing the the Balthazar Film Noir 50 yes. uh, into the F- Marshall 4x12, as I have been for weeks now, mm-hmm. and I've been okay with it, but I've been using the clone I built of the Boss HM2. Mm-hmm. I'm using d- different fuzzes, uh, different uh, the Karma Suture pedals. I actually tried the silicon version versus the germanium version, right. different harmonic percolator clones, different two screamers, yada, yada, yada. I was never quite happy with the sound I was getting. It just wasn't quite as... It wasn't as direct. It wasn't as there. It wasn't as tight as I was looking for. Well, the way you explained it to me earlier was that you you were kind of playing a clean or cleanish amp and then using pedals to get more of that overdrive and right. gain and stuff. So and now and, and and this amp is a heavy. This band is a heavy band, right. and we use gain. I I don't I don't think I play clean at all. <laughs> I was going to say so, yeah. uh, it's just like shades of dirt, and so I wanted to just and I. I had never played this specific version of the amp. I want to get that out there. This is the newest uh, 50S, which is the Stealth. has a couple extra mods and tweaks. But I am very familiar with the amp from which this descended, which is the it comes in a white head shell instead of the black one that this one does. I played it a lot. That was always my go-to. Anytime I wanted to play heavy stuff yeah. at CME, right. that was the amp I used. When I plugged freaking matt pike from high and fire into an amp when he was in the store that's what i played like that was just always i I just i knew i could just work the the flamethrower thing out of it and uh i came last night and uh boy oh boy yeah dude just go for it man because i i heard it and i i have i my opinions are probably very similar to yours i like it i like it a lot it's three channels so it's a channel switcher uh it has clean crunch which is it can get pretty heavy and it could even possibly be like as much gain as anyone would ever need the and clean then channel you mean the second channel which yes. is the blue channel which is probably my favorite just because i'm not a metal dude totally as much and then there's the red channel which is just like the full-on most saturated it's awesome it's not, dude it's not like that different i will say it's not like it's necessarily that much more gain i will say than the blue channel but it is it's a different character of gain it has more of that like sound to the bottom end that i really want to me and it could have just been the riffs you were playing but Uh it has like a cool like 80s metal sound to it yeah you can thrash for sure in that thing no no doubt about it um so i like i said i've only had a couple days with it so far i haven't played it in context we don't have practice until this weekend but i feel so good about it especially i have the only guitar i've played into it is the new les paul i haven't even thought of plugging something else yeah. in yet because it's just like this is That's what the rig the is going to be right now yeah i'm very excited to see how it does with different speakers so far i've only been playing it through my 212 that has two uh, old uk made vintage 30s in it which are are dope but i have a feeling that it might get along a little better with maybe something a little higher powered or um a little more sort of flat response that doesn't have as much of the mid-range hump that those are known for we'll see i've got a lot of experimenting to do i'm also very excited to see how it goes with the 412 versus the 212 i'm curious about that too because that's like the default setup that i'm doing at band practice right. so is that going to be your go-to when you set it up 
it's only because I just it's going to be the easiest thing for me to carry. Well, yeah, you're not going to like. You know, I don't want to. Eventually, I will. I would prefer to if if it's decided that I like the one of my two twelves better because I still have them sure. plugged into other ones. I'll eventually bring that over there. You know, just to like have my favorite sound at practice with the band. But yeah, for now, I'm just going to bring that and use the the Marshall four twelve because it's a badass cabinet on its mm-hmm. own. Uh, but I feel also really good because part of the other aim of this was that I wanted to simplify my rig. Like my pedal board was really big and I was, and it's just like I use one or two, like two really one to two sounds in this band. It's just like heavy, nasty riffing with maybe a little bit of extra gain. And then there's one song where I use like a bunch of octave shit. Isn't that kind of refreshing too? To be oh, like, yeah. I don't need like all these crazy pedals to do all this. Well, work I've now. got a switcher. I've got like yeah. all sorts of different pedals that I like wasn't even using at all. I'm just like, no, I want to make this as simple as I possibly can. When you told can. me you were going to switch to the smaller board. I am. I'm going to the, the mini board. And I approve. I'm going tuner, the, the octave, which we're going to get to because I've got a new one of those. Yeah. Uh, and then and then two other ones. I don't know yet. Probably some sort of something to wobble, make it wobbly. And then... You know, so be that a delay or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was gonna say some kind of delay. Or and then, like and then probably another fuzz, just because I like having a harmonic percolator. I was gonna ask you that. Or and I didn't want to get too in front of yeah. us before we got on the mic, but yeah, I was gonna ask. I mean, c- because you have a switcher on that, you don't really need an extra fuzz pedal, right? I mean, that thing gets pretty loud and grindy. Right. So it has it has three channels. Uh, yeah, I don't. The thing is, I, I it's really, not a fuzz fuzz sound. But I really like, like the sound of my uh that t-rex uh, Mueller molar pedal that i yeah. have which is basically a modified tube screamer i really like the sound of a heavy amp with that in front of it just like not even adding any gain just like cutting right. out some of the bottom end and then and giving a little bit of boost and sparkle mm-hmm. so again i haven't even tried that yet all i've used is just plug straight dark, direct into the amp or this new octave pedal that i also bought this week which is a good segue to get into it because Dude. i got the mxr M three oh six poly blue octave. I'm a big fan. It's I've never seen this thing before. Awesome. Dude, it's really cool. It does so much shit. It does so much shit and so well. So that it's it's actually the sim- a similar story. I I've I have the Digitech uh, generation five whammy on my board for one song where I'd have to use like octave stuff and it just, I don't do any of the like wee, wee, with the pedal or anything. It just right. seemed really unnecessary for me to have this big giant honking thing. And I'm like, well, maybe I could just get like a pog or like some sort of octave pedal. And, and so that sent me down the rabbit hole of researching every single octave pedal that's on the market right now. And I had it whittled down to two. I had it this MXR and the Walrus Audio, I believe it's called the Luminary, I want to say, which is almost spec for spec the same type of pedal. So mm-hmm. it's got uh, your your dry signal. So this each of them have six knobs, but we're just really going to focus on the MXR. It has your dry signal, so just like how much your guitar comes through, blended in from zero to more than you know above Unity. It has one octave down two octaves two octaves down it has one octave up two octaves up so that's very sort of like modern poggy style yeah it also has a mod knob that's the fun one and then it also has two more switches up on the top those are fun ones too a fuzz switch so it has a full-on awesome sounding fuzz circuit built in and it has a mono switch so this pedal as you might suspect by the poly blue octave it is polyphonic right you can play chords and it will add the octaves above or below that you have dialed in and it won't get too nasty it's not like 
perfect, you know, but it, it, it's, it sounds, it does that kind of like pog organ sound. Total, when total organ sound. For yeah, absolutely. The, that's not what I wanted for because what I wanted for is nasty sub fuzz and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the way to get to that and my, and my favorite way to do it is to switch it into the mono mode and it totally changes the character of how the whole pedal sounds. It's not like it just right now. All the knobs work different. All the knobs right. work a little yeah. different. So, well, at least the second row of knobs. So what yes. happens is the on the on the poly mode, the those two octave, the octave up, up one and two, those those like like we're talking about, they kind of do that organy sound. It sounds yeah. like a paw. It really it sounded like that organ pedal we were playing with last week. The Mel Nine, the Mel Nine, totally, right. yeah. Dude, exactly. Or if you again, if you've ever had a pog, you know what this kind of yep. sound is. Yep. When you switch it into the mono mode, what happens is instead of being that like upper octave poly thing, that pog deal it becomes an Octavia and it adds that like rippy sort of Jimi Hendrix Octavia high yep. octave thing, which is super cool to have in the pedal. I really like that sound. Me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's, I think it's probably how I'm going to mostly use it. We'll come back to that I because like that. I don't have to lock into just one. That's very true. The other thing that we haven't talked about yet is the mod knob. And that to me was the, like I knew about the other f- features on this. I knew it yeah. had a fuzz. That was kind of one of the reasons I chose it over the walrus to start was because it had more versatility right? and it's a little bit smaller. Uh, so it's like a single size pedal instead of like a double size pedal. But it also has this mod knob and this was the, this was the big surprise that I wasn't expecting to love so much when it's in the poly mode. Again, it does two different things. Poly mode. It adds this like, I guess it's it to me. It sounds like a Leslie. It sounds like a rotating speaker kind yep. of effect, right? Where it's it gets further away and kind of comes back. It, but you can adjust the speed, and mm-hmm. it like goes from slow to high. But when it goes into the mono mode, it becomes an MXR Phase ninety, and mm-hmm. it just does the the swoosh of a, of a Phase ninety. And but you get that with the fuzz combined. And that with like, the fuzz is sick. Yeah, it's so cool. It, you can make it subtle where it just does the swoosh, or you turn it all the way up, and it's like yeah, it's super it's insanity. Going bonkers, yeah. The last thing that I've got to say about this pedal that I think is, is what makes it pop going to, it's going to be the most useful part or most versatile, I guess, part of my rig. It has fucking presets. Yeah. This this blew me away. It has, and there's no buttons on it. There's no buttons. It just looks like a single size MXR pedal. Mm -hmm. It has an expression pedal input. And so what you can do is you can do a a few different things with the expression pedal. What I'm going to do when it's heel down. So toe up, you have the knob set, boom, that's what your sound is. Put toe down, so heel up, move Press the knobs, the gas. Yep. wherever you want them, change all the settings. Now all of a sudden, you have two presets in the same pedal. And it remembers when you go back on your heel that it plays the first one. That's right, and not only does it remember it, you blend from one to the other. Dude, I've never even heard of this before. It's... I, Aside I did like, again another feature that I didn't know that it had. I started playing this pedal and falling in love, and I was like, "Fuck, I might have to buy two of these right. because I want to have easy access to the mono sound. And I want to have easy access to the poly sound, or whatever it was." Yep. And then I actually read the manual and and got to the expression pedal part, and my my jaw hit the floor. Yeah, that's that's fucking crazy because like a lot of these pedals will get advertised. You know, we've talked about a ton of them on here that you can blend and have presets and blend the presets and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like they don't really say that as a feature, I don't know if that's in like the bullet points list. I don't believe features, so. Which I'm sure you would have read and yeah. found out. So that's such a crazy bone. It's two yes, pedals in one. Essentially. It is. And, and, and if you don't want to do that, you can also plug in just a two button foot switch, like channel swing, changing foot switch that you probably have already and turn on or off 
the fuzz and the switch from the mono to the poly mode. So if you'd rather just have control over those on foot switches, you can do that as right. well. So, so versatile. And and I'll say, you know, if I didn't already have two sort of presets in mind that I'd want to switch between, I would be really tempted to go the other route because switching into the, from the mono to the poly mode, like I said, it completely changes the entire character of the pedal. Right. And I really like having the ability to go from that Leslie sound on the mod knob to a phaser sound too. So oh, I could yeah. see wanting to just be able to switch in and out on that. But I think really what I'm going to do is have for this band, it'll probably be more. Well, yeah. So I'm going to have the, like the main sound for the one song that I needed this for right. on like heel down. And then I'm going to have a completely different insane. Cause this, this pedal gets fucking wacky. Like it, Oh yeah. You know, it's an octave pedal, but it can make like totally broken, gnarly, crazy sounds. Yeah, it was, yeah. And so I think what I'll do is I'll have, Want like either toe up or toe down. I'm not sure which one. As like a gnar- gnarly, like nasty sound that I can just like sweep into yeah. exactly. Yeah. But then the main sound will be just sort of like heel yeah. down. That's so fat, dude. I think that's kind of the idea. Um, yeah, I really liked it. It reminded me a lot of what my bass micro synth can do. Yes, but without the frequency. Um, sliders yeah it doesn't have all the cool like it which can is do fine. some of the filtery things but it doesn't but have the as ability far as to the get sub octave sounds with like the fuzz combination yeah. it really gives me like i've i've taken pictures and recorded because you know with the micro synth you've got all these sliders yep. so once i get it in a good spot i have to take a photo of it because <laughs> right. there's a really good chance it's not going to look like that when you get it back out of the box to, it to take it to practice it definitely won't so um i've definitely had to play with that and with, I was always looking for something with knobs instead of sliders to replace that. And I think that's as close as I've ever heard. As soon as I'm done rubbing my wiener all over it, I want to give it to you for a week so you can take yeah. it and play with it and, love and see what it does with your bass stuff. And if it could, because I know we've even talked about you looking for something that could step in for the micro synth and like 100%. do a lot of that stuff and be more reliable. The search and, continues, yeah. And, and I, would be, I would love to hear what you think because, I, I mean, you've heard how much low end it can kick oh, out. Oh, dude, like, just with guitar. Holy crap. Yeah. It could definitely do the bass thing. And I really, I really want to try the mono versus poly settings yes. with bass because I don't play a lot of chords on bass, so it would be neat to have like just that really gated kind of cut, you know, exactly. mono, mono sound to it. Dude, I, I just like... I, I gotta say, I think I was two for two this week. Uh, oh, you knocked it out of the park! Dude. Buying some new stuff, yeah, which, bro. You know, does it feel reckless? Does it feel ridiculous that I own? I'm not gonna say how much, but many, many dollars worth of gear already in amps. Is it ridiculous that over the past two weeks I bought all new stuff? Yeah, fucking yes, it is. However, it was all purposeful. It wasn't. I wasn't just doing it to like scratch my gas itch. I, I'm, everything no. that I just bought was specifically for to this group. Make me feel better about playing in this group that Absolutely. I want to play with, you know. Yeah, even going back to the Les Paul with like the lighter weight and exactly. Everything. Yeah, I've been playing the shit out of that guitar, and that was a treat. Way. I'm assuming you didn't have a a, short, a sore shoulder. Honestly, didn't even notice it. Yeah. That's that's the best part. Yeah, I that yeah. I'm not sure if it's because I've been playing a lot more or it's the nature of that guitar, but. I'll tell you what I can I can I can do a little shredding on that Les Paul. Yeah, I've told people about that guitar because yeah. I had I, I literally called Mandy on the way home after I played it last week, and yeah. I was like I was like, no, you don't understand. It was <laughs> it was making me go to places on the neck that I don't usually go you to. You don't on. understand. Yeah, and she's like, okay, dude, psycho. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I I fucking I'm so happy for you. And look, dude, you've been trading gear, you've been selling gear, I trading been, whatever I you want to call it, trading and selling a lot, working yeah. hard, still got the day job. So it's oh, like, dude, yeah. fuck it, man, you got to treat yourself sometimes. I dude. appreciate that. I yeah, I just I it's you know I, I I set myself up for a lot of potential buyer's remorse recently. That's what I was gonna say. I feel like there is zero percent buyer's remorse right it's now. the opposite i'm so stoked on yeah. it man and that feels so good so if anyone's looking to copy my exact heavy metal rig get yourself 
Gibson Les Paul Modern. Yep. Plug that into an MXR Poly Blue Octave and finish it off with an EVH. 5150 350s still <laughs> 606 head I, and it's like i was saying before i'm like i love living vicariously through your through your uh findings right now because i'm very content with my sound yeah, and man. my group I and mean, look i'm not doing a lot of cr- i could buy another bass pedal if i wanted or something yeah. which i'm sure i will at some point but i'm very content with like what it's working for and i've never been a big like pedal guy i've been using the same amp since 2006 yep. you know like same bass forever so i kind of love that you're experimenting with all well, this shit. Well, well, except for a 1969 jazz bass that might have wound, that's true. Found that, its way in your that found its shores. way to practice yeah. a few times. But I, I'll, I will say the P bass is there right now, so yeah. I'll be playing that tonight. But the it's nice to have like I, now I can tell people these are really good things to try out. Yep. Like I'm I'm gonna send that pedal to a few people, man, just to show. I, I gen, like I said, I I need to spend some more time with it because I still have hearts in my eyes for it. But I I'm almost like almost as excited to give it to you to play with for a bit sure. to see what it does with your rig and with yeah, bass in a few and if, weeks, and if it can step in. I know I said this was the last thing, the last thing I said, but last, last thing I want to say about that pedal. How about that finish? Oh, dude. Beautiful, almost purpley blue sparkle. Yeah. Dude, it's uh, it almost matches the guitar. In a I way. know. And, and you know the funny thing, too, is that it has clear knobs on there, which my guitar originally had. That is funny. So it really would have been a direct match. Yeah, the, and the one thing I'll say too, if, for people who haven't Googled it or anything, it's it's the small footprint. Yeah, you know? just a single size pedal. Yeah, so that'll fit nicely on the board. That's. Th- but I, you would expect a pedal so with excited. that many capabilities to be at least like the double size, you know? I know. So. I it's. I, I'm I'm grinning right now. People can't see, but I'm just like so stoked yeah. on that pedal. But it it's also the way that it integrates with the whole rig too. That I'll say though, I, I know it works with everything because I plugged it into the Kemper and spent right. like two hours just freaking out how about how cool. Yeah, it well that's you you kind of bought it and you were like I don't really know because you had to run out. So yeah. you're like I don't really know. I only got like five minutes with it to start. Yeah, which sucks because like, then you're driving you're driving and you're like thinking. And like, I didn't Man. plug it into the right amp either. Right. That was the other problem. Right. So plugging into like a higher gain amp or just a high headroom amp or the Kemper, both right. of those have been tasters choice yeah so lovely yeah i gotta be i gotta be honest man between that guitar and that pedal and then even that amp like i don't i don't follow a lot of like high gain amps mm-hmm. and stuff so i don't know what they're capable of but i think you've had some really nice choices the last couple of weeks. i'm feeling good baby damn i'm go feeling good about this ticket, episode man, i know too. seriously it's a hunk of beef we bit off yeah. in our teeth there buddy <laughs> yeah it's dark out now <laughs> it is it got dark get so yourself over to band practice tonight yeah buddy but yeah. that was great that was awesome Thanks for letting me jibber jabber about all my hey. th- my new gears that I'm excited about. I love it. Got some. There will be another thing to talk about next week, but this is a little bit more of a cosmetic update oh, yeah. that you talked me into. That I've got stuff happening this oh, weekend. That's right. I'm excited. But enjoy enjoy yourself uh, a good practice. Yeah, have a nice weekend, man. Yeah, love doing this with you, buddy. Love you. Love you, man. Love you, listeners, for making it to Thank the end you guys. of this episode with us. Because believe it or not, at the end of all this beef. This is the end. Mm-hmm. And if you did make it this far, why don't you go make some music? <laughs>